This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, hello, and happy Freelance Friday. We've got another audio exclusive today because we're actually doing a pitch competition over on the YouTube channel for my social media management accelerator students. And um, I decided I was in Southern California earlier this week for a client and I did a little Q&A at the airport, uh, Instagram story Q&A, and I actually got some really good questions and some kind of deep questions as well. I actually opened up about some things that I hadn't really talked about. And, you know, I was like, I think this this could be a podcast. So I'm going to try my best to do minimal editing. This is going to be like we're just hanging out, having a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're drinking right now. going to try not to overly edit this and just get this up quickly. So if that's not your style of episode, no worries. I'll see you next week. But for those of you who are hanging out, let's do it. We'll start out with a soft question. This one isn't too uh, emotional (laughs) or anything, but the person asks Squarespace or WordPress, Squarespace or WordPress. So, you know, I'm not a designer or developer or anything like that, but I get this question so much. We actually talked about this in my class today for the accelerator. We had our last day of classes today and we got a lot of questions. I got a lot of questions about this as well. You know, I personally believe that it doesn't really matter (laughs) that much what you build your website on. Now, I'm sure the pros would argue with me, but I think the most important thing is that you just have a place to put your stuff and that you have a place that looks professional where people can contact you. I also hear a lot, do I need a website, you know, when I'm first starting out and you don't need one. I definitely know freelancers who, you know, just work off of Instagram or, you know, uh, whatever email, but does it bring you up a level? Does it, you know, is the perceived professionalism a little higher when you have a website that has a few pages? It doesn't need to be anything wild about contact services. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely helps. So I have used both, but for my personal websites, gosh, I haven't used WordPress since I was like in college. My boyfriend at the time was a WordPress designer. So he kind of, um, heavily encouraged me to use it. But ever since I, you know, managed my own websites, I always just use Squarespace because it is super user-friendly, really easy to update on your own. I feel like it looks really sleek. And at the time when I built my first website, I felt like it was like the most sleek, sophisticated looking website builder out there. Uh, so that's my, that's my opinion. If you are, and the way that I answered this on my Instagram stories, if you are focused mainly on SEO, from my understanding, WordPress is usually the preferred tool for that. I think they have some advanced SEO tools like Yoast, like the plugin and stuff that you can use to make your website more, you know, findable online, I guess. But for me, I, my, my, my main SEO strategy has always been YouTube and, you know, just social, like I am bringing traffic to my website, not the other way around, not my website is getting all the traffic and then I'm sending them elsewhere or whatever. So in that case, Squarespace works all right for me. So, uh, yeah, that's my opinion. 
Second question. Oh, this is a good a good time to share an announcement with you as well. What are you most excited about right now? So I am most excited about just working on different things. I feel like I am in a season of like, let's just try different things. I feel like I was kind of like doing the same thing for a long time. You know, obviously we had the client work, you know, where I was doing that full time a few years ago. And then I started getting into digital products and then I kind of got into a rut with the types of digital products that I was offering. And now I feel like I'm kind of doing a little bit of everything. I'm working with clients again. I'm, you know, uh, have some projects that I can't yet talk about, but that are super excited and that are, you know, with bigger companies and at a bigger scale. But for, you know, you all, uh, the things that are exciting, you know, I'm working on some, more workshop style things, some more low price point accessible courses, workshops, programs. I'm collaborating and I am super excited to be collaborating actually really soon here next month, October 11th class starts for an email marketing challenge that's hosted by CJ Thomas of Simply Healthy Marketing. CJ has taught classes for my online business launch lab course, for my social media management accelerator course. She's just really fantastic and knowledgeable about email. I'm a huge fan of what she does. And so I'm excited to, you know, introduce, uh, yeah, like her to more of my audience. So we're doing a four week email marketing challenge. She's going to be teaching four live lessons. They have homework, worksheets, you know, all kinds of things and just access to her who is absolutely brilliant, a community where we can all kind of chit chat back and forth and get feedback on each other's emails. So that is available. It's 27 bucks to participate in the challenge, which I just think is a total steal. So I'll leave the link in the show notes if you want to check that out. And hopefully if it goes well, I'll be able to do more of those things. I just, you know, I am such an introvert, but I, over the past, I think like the pandemic really did it for me. It made me crave human attention and energy more than ever. And I'm like, I just, I know so many cool people. I admire so many cool people who are smart at things that I'm not smart at. So hopefully we can keep doing some things like that. And also if you're already in the freelance Friday club, by the way, which is my, 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 wow, I cannot talk my mastermind membership community, you get free access to the challenge with CJ. So be sure to log into the mighty networks account and check out the pinned post to see how to get access to that challenge. Okay. Next question. How long did it take you to scale your business to six figures? So this question, it always just fires me up a little bit and not in a negative way. Like I just, I have so much to say about six figures, 1 million, like all these milestones that we put on ourselves. So I'll, I'll give you the answer first and then I'll, and then I'll rant. Um, the answer, well, it is hard to say because I've been freelancing since probably like 2013 or 20 something. I don't know. It's been a while. Like it's been about 10 years since I've been freelancing in some way, shape or form. Now, during that time I was in college, I was working retail, like freelancing was like my third job. And then I graduated. I worked at, you know, some corporate companies. I still freelance, but it was on the side. So I never was striving for six figures as a, you know, 20 something college student. I was striving for like, can I make rent? Which my rent at the time was like $300, which is just laughable um, compared to what rent is these days and mortgages and stuff. But anyway, you have to have the context for it. You know what I mean? But I did officially hit my first six figure year, I think like a year or two after I went freelance full time after I quit my day job. But like I said, I have to give you that context because I don't want you to feel like you're a failure 
or whatever, if you have been freelancing for two, three, four years and have not hit six figures, number one, because success is not just dependent on a number, but number two, because I was freelancing for like six, seven, eight years before that. And like, while I wasn't aiming or striving for six figures when I was a college student, all of that learning, all of that experience brought me to where I am now. And it made it so that the first year full-time was so seamless and easy compared to a lot of people's first years, you know, being full-time because they'd never done it before. They'd never had, you know, whatever. They never, they didn't have an Upwork profile built. They didn't have an invoicing system set up. So I just always like to add that caveat, like whatever. And, and, and most importantly, I just think it's so important to know that like success means something different for every single person. A lot of people take my courses are stay at home moms. You know, maybe their partner is in the military or, you know, moves around a lot or whatever. So they can't like necessarily go get a job at like a retail store or whatever. So working as a freelance social media manager, a virtual assistant or whatever, and making like 10 or $20,000 a year is, I mean, that's like their groceries for the year or, you know, whatever their car payments for the year. Like that is success. Success is how you define it. Success is what you want out of it. So six figures, you know, I live in the Midwest. The cost of living here is so much cheaper than in California. Oh my gosh. When I was in Southern California this week, I was like, wow, gas is $6 and 50 cents here, $6 and 50 cents. It's like three fifty in Michigan. So yeah, if you live in Southern California, making six figures is probably like, you know, that's just kind of like a normal income, if you will, versus if you live in a smaller town in Michigan or whatever. So whatever, I'm done with my rant, but that's the answer. And then there was a follow-up question, which says, did you charge your ideal rates off the bat? If not, how soon after did you raise them? And again, I like to always share this, you know, my first freelancing gig was $20 a blog post from there. Um, I did some freelance work that was more social media, you know, aligned in with that same client. And I don't even know what I was making. Like, I don't know what our agreed upon rate was. I actually don't think I had one. I was in the season of paying my dues and, you know, putting my head down and learning. And so I would just take whatever they gave me. So, I, I mean, it would be like, hey, we have a new project for you to work on. Um, this one will be like $500. Um, this one will be like 300. This one will be 700. Like it was just random and I just accepted it and no regrets. Like, I don't think they took advantage of me, um, but it definitely wasn't, you know, uh, I wasn't getting rich off of it. Then when I was uh, side hustling, when I was working my day job, my first like long-term client that I worked with for years and I loved them. I remember being so nervous, so nervous to get on the call and give them my rate. And I like wrote this paragraph justifying $20 an hour. Um, so I worked at $20 an hour as a social media manager for years. And then I raised my rates. Now, I also want to say, obviously times were different. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago, but like, you know, times are different. So the rates have went up, but also I don't recommend staying at those lower rates forever. I was happy. I had a full-time job and I really liked my client. So I was happy with, with that. Nowadays, you know, I would recommend raising your rates every year or potentially even after every successful client. Like it just, it kind of depends. Um, but at least every year. But yeah, if you're like offboarding clients, especially if there's deliverables, like if it's a one and done kind of project, like, oh, I just built a website for a client, 
handed it over, got a five-star review, boom, the rate just went up. For social media managers or like ongoing kind of retainer people, it can be a little harder just because you don't really offboard them until maybe something goes wrong or whatever. But, you know, uh, just reevaluate things every few months and at least every year is my advice. Okay, so this question was pretty deep and... um, yeah, I, I think it's important to talk about. It might be feel kind of irrelevant to like the Freelance Friday podcast, but I don't know. Um, somebody asked, have you ever felt depressed or lost and how did you overcome it? And, you know, my response on Instagram was like, I remember a few months ago, I was really upset about something. It, it's kind of a long story. I guess I can talk about it now. Basically, my credit card got hacked and, you know, these are just things people don't talk about that much on the internet, whatever. Um, they happen to anybody who puts themselves out there, or at least they do to me. So I was upset. And I remember somebody responded. They were like, wow, it's so weird to see you like upset like this. You know, you always just seem so happy. And I remember I was really shocked by that comment. I was, I was like, I do. I always seem happy because I don't always feel happy. In fact, I often don't feel happy. And I'm not like looking for like a sob story or anything like that or whatever pity. My life is so wonderfully good. But I do just think the perception of, you know, people who are quote unquote successful having like this perfect life or never feeling sadness or never feeling depressed or lost and confused is just, it's just not true, you know? Um, So I did talk about on Instagram, I actually this year just started going to therapy again, and I have had very complex relationships with therapy. Uh, I have not had good experiences in therapy. I'm going to be honest. Um, Yeah, I've had really bad experiences and kind of like don't believe in it. I would never say that. I think you have to do what is right for you. I never want to sway anyone from going to therapy, but I was like, I'm never going to therapy again. And I realized this year I should probably go um, just because I was dealing with some things in my life. And and I finally found a therapist who told me like, yeah, it's not normal to just always feel sad. It's not normal to just never feel like fully animated or fully happy or um, or maybe normal is not the therapy appropriate word. Maybe it's typical. I don't know. I'm sorry if I offend anybody. But yeah, like I've always just kind of felt this melancholy cloud over me, like Even on the happiest days of my life, there's just like something that holds me back from being fully emotive, fully excited, fully happy. And that in turn has caused me a lot of like guilt because like I said, my life is so good, especially compared to what it was, you know, how I grew up and things like that. I'm so incredibly privileged compared to how I grew up. I am so incredibly lucky and loved and all these things. And so then I get in this weird cycle of like, well, I'm kind of sad every day of my life. And then I feel guilty for feeling sad every day of my life. So I just want to say, yes, I've been there. Yes. My mental health is something that I am actively working on. Latasha in the future here, realizing I didn't really answer this question though. The person asked, how did you get better or how did you feel better? And so I guess my answer is like, I guess if you got to go to therapy, give it a try. Don't be so jaded to it. I will say the thing that helped me finally find someone, this is not where I do a BetterHelp ad because I actually had terrible experiences on BetterHelp, but um, really vetting your therapist. I checked all the boxes. I wanted somebody who was going to have an open mind and who wasn't just going to like you know, try to give me solutions that fit into a box and like make me feel terrible. I wanted, uh, I'm an open-minded person. 
I want them to be an open-minded person. So I chose somebody who was younger, not saying that's always better, but younger and like, you know, super, super open-minded and progressive. Okay. Now a similar question, how to get work done if you have problems in the relationship or life. (laughs) So again, um, yes, I can relate to this. Life is hard. There's hard things going on in life, in everybody's lives, no matter how good of a life you have. Um, But yeah, this is definitely something that I've been working through this year as well. And for me, I can only speak for myself and I don't know that this is healthy. I'm not a therapist by any means, but when I'm busy, it's a lot easier, you know, to not worry about problems in quote, the relationship or life, you know? So I like to stay busy. That's one of the reasons that I like to work a lot. Um, But if you struggle with maybe feeling motivated, I think another thing that helps is separating yourself from wherever, like if this person, for example, said that they're having problems in their relationship, maybe working from a co-working space or working from a coffee shop would help so that you're not kind of always reminded of, oh, we're in this house that we used to share or whatever that we do share or this person who's stressing me out is, you know, hovering over me or whatever. So maybe that can be helpful. Um, I think also finding work that really matters to you makes a big difference for me. You know, when I'm seeing the direct impact I'm making with a client or working, you know, for some type of cause or mission or organization that I feel like betters the world or society, it kind of, it makes me feel small. It makes my, my feelings, my problems, I guess, feel small, which I don't mean that in a negative way. It just makes you know, it makes me realize how big the world is and how like whatever I'm going through in that moment is not like, it's probably not life or death, you know, even even like a breakup or whatever, like you'll survive. So yeah, I would say that. All right. Have you ever had an unhappy client that left a negative review? I really haven't, knock on wood. I haven't really had a client that has left a bad review, but I have had clients that threatened that they would. And what I'll say is I think the best thing you can do in most of these situations is just hear them out. Like most of the times when people want to complain, they just want to be heard. Like, honestly, I learned that from working retail. Uh, yeah, my, my manager taught me that and she was so right. Like people just want to say that the outfit sucked. Like they, they, they don't actually even want a refund. They just want you to know that you did a terrible job picking out the outfit and they were unhappy. That's all. So same thing with clients. I always try to hear them out. I try to let them know that I'm taking their feedback into account, except for one client, which, you know, this person basically stole money from me. He was pretty like, you know, whatever, for legal purposes, I'm not going to go any deeper than that. But I just didn't care. It was at a point where I, he, he, he threatened severely. He threatened he was going to sue me. He was going to report me to the Better Business Bureau. He threatened all the things. And I was like, I don't care. I literally, in this moment, I don't care um, what you do, what reviews you let leave. And the reason for that is I just feel like everybody who watches me, listens to me, any potential client I ever get is smarter than that. They're smarter than to fall for, you know, a slimy, scathing review. They would see that that stands out from all the other ones. So I kind of just didn't care. I was like, I have to trust that my potential clients, my current clients, my audience, they know me better than this, or they will, you know, they will look into this. (laughs) Now I have had negative course reviews, not many, 99% of reviews on my courses are five stars 
or four stars, but mostly five stars. That's how I know that I can believe in what I'm selling. With that said, I do take the very small amount of negative reviews or constructive reviews when they're truly constructive. I take them to heart. I say, you know what? That maybe actually is a good piece of feedback. Maybe I need to update that. Maybe I need to add this lesson in. Maybe I need to blah, 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 whatever. The only time, again, that I I don't want to say I don't care. I still do take the constructive parts to heart, but when I, it, I don't let it bother me or I don't really consider it all that much is when it is, you didn't le- read the landing page. You're complaining about something not being in a course that was never promised. You, you didn't read the curriculum, which is available on the landing page, or it's just outright like hateful. I've had people just say nasty things about me personally. And whenever a review or feedback gets down to personal things in my life like that's you've lost all legitimacy you know in your review so anyway there's that boundaries let's talk about those do clients text whatsapp or call you how do you manage that after office hours so no um clients i do give them a welcome kit and this is available in the social media management toolbox if you want to check it out i give them a welcome kit that does have a phone number on it for emergencies now i do on their kind of onboarding call I talk about what an emergency is and it is not, I decided I want to have a flash sale tomorrow. So can you post about it right now? That's not an emergency. An emergency is like, I got locked out of my account. Why did the ad account spend a hundred thousand dollars today? Like wild things like that. Or, you know, we had a situation at our location with somebody being violent or threatening. Like we need to watch our inboxes, things like that. Right. Those things are so rare in the social media world, especially if you're working with smaller clients. Um, but even still the phone number that I give my social media clients is like a Google voice number. I, and it's not that like, I've never given out my phone number to a client. I was just texting with my client when I was in California. Cause obviously like they wanted to make sure I got home. Okay. And stuff like that. But as a general rule, I use a Google voice number because that way I can turn it off. So you can choose what time like a Google voice or a text now number actually sends you notifications and things like that. So that way Um, I mean, you can do that with your own personal phone too. Like my personal phone goes into do not disturb at 8 PM every single night. So I have to be intentionally looking for any type of message, whether it's from a friend, a family member, anybody. And then for coaching clients, I use an app called Voxer, which I really like because I do want to see their messages. So I do have the notifications on my phone. That's okay because I only work with one, like right now I'm only working with one coaching client. Um, at a time. So it's not like I'm getting text me- or like Voxer messages like 50 times a day, but it makes sure that I'm able to see them. So that's, that's my advice. If people want to get on a call, I like to schedule that. Like if a client is like, Hey, can I call you? Unless again, it's an emergency or something like time sensitive. I'll just be like, yeah, can we, how about Tuesday at two, you know, instead of just hopping on the phone anytime of the day. And then same thing for managing office hours after office hours in that welcome kit, I explain my working hours and I explain how quickly they can get a response. So I say, you know, I work like, I don't even know what it says in there, like 10 to five or something. 10 to four is when I answer emails and then your emails will be answered within 24 business hours. Usually it's much, much faster, but you want to set that expectation. So people are not emailing you at 11 PM on a Friday and expecting you to have replied to them. And if you didn't reply by Saturday morning, they're going to be calling you. Like you want to prevent that as much as possible. Are you looking to grow your team in the near future? Actually, the answer is no. Again, I feel like weirdly like bad or like I'm being a bad business owner about that or something because 
you know, if you're in this space, I mean, you're listening to a freelance podcast, so you probably listen to other freelance podcasts and they're always like, you know, the only way to scale is to build a team, build up your team, do this, do that. And like, I kind of feel like what's wrong with me? Like, am I a failure because I actually like working alone and because I'm actually making more money on my own now? And because, you know what I mean? Like, am I, I don't know, is this weird? And and like the optics of it also, I think, a lot of times in something I really struggle with in this space is like, well, if you have a fancy, shiny office and a team of 75, well, you are crushing it. Meanwhile, the solopreneur working like their dream life could be working in their PJs at their home office with a team of one, maybe two, maybe three. That is success. Again, you know what I mean? I don't want that glass building in the sky, actually. I, I, I For a moment in my life when I was like 23, 24, I think I did. And then I'm like, you know, I just want to work from home. I want to like sit outside. I want to be able to go on camping trips a few times a year. That is my dream. So that long rant to say, you know, I'm enjoying working with very part-time freelancers. I have a um, Facebook ads manager who's working on my team. I'm working with a virtual assistant on a very, very part-time basis right now. And I'm super happy with that. I, I don't, um, see a need to hire anybody full-time or anything like that anytime soon. With that said, I'm also experimenting with different things. Like I just had a call today with, um, somebody who does emails um, and like really builds up beautiful email newsletters. I, yeah, as you know, so there's, there's different things that I might want to hire up for it, but I don't think I want to like hire full-time people. And I actually listened to a podcast by this guy, Jonathan Stark, somebody in one of my like accountability groups mentioned him. And I looked up his podcast. He interviewed this person called Dre. Uh, I can't remember Dre something, I think. Um, I'll link the podcast. You know what? I'll link the podcast in the show notes. And they were calling themselves lone wolves. They were like, yeah, I'm a lone wolf. And that has such a negative connotation, I think. But I am. You know, like uh, people, when they hear a lone wolf, they are like, oh, she's a... She's antisocial. She's this, she's that. But like, I'm sorry, but I am a lone wolf. Like I like to work by myself most days and bring people in, you know, occasionally. So that's the long-winded answer. And the last question I'm going to answer today, I have my food, my dinner actually just got delivered. I just watched it. So I need to hurry up. Do you have videos showing you how you edit your final YouTube videos? And I do. I'll link um, a, like a walkthrough of my full YouTube process in the show notes. It's a little out of date. I'll give a spoiler alert for YouTube. I am planning on doing an updated podcasting video, hopefully in the next week or two, because I have updated my equipment a little bit. I have a new studio and I think video podcasts are the next big thing I really do. So if you're doing a podcast, you need to start putting that baby on YouTube. So stay tuned for my YouTube channel for an update on that. But I also kind of wanted to ask you all if you have any strong opinions, I, you know, I don't know. I just, YouTube is something that I love so much. Creating videos is something that I love so much. I've been creating videos since I was like 15. Uh, that's when I took my first film class. And I want to do more content around content creation and YouTube videos, but I want to, I want to gauge your interest. Cause I know so many of you are service providers. Um, 
I don't know if that's like something that you're interested in and be is being on YouTube. I'm telling you, it's responsible for 90% of my leads. They're all inbound. They're all organic. Like I think it's just so powerful, but I would love to know if you have any thoughts, like send me a DM on Instagram, on Twitter. Would you like to see a course about this? Would you like a workshop? Would you like to do a challenge? I, in the past have done business or vlogmas in December. Um, should we do that this time around and do just like a fun community challenge. I don't know. I would love to hear from you just because I think it's so powerful. And I I think I have something to say on it. I don't think I'm the best. Don't get me wrong. I'm forever a student, but you know, it's worked for me thus far. So anywho, that's all I got for today. Thank you for joining me for this Q&A. Hope it was helpful or enjoyable. And I hope you have a beautiful rest of your weekend. It's always a pleasure to virtually hang out with you. And yeah, I'll talk to you next week. Bye.